The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Hello and welcome to the Provoke Podcast. I am Diana Marzalek. I'm a senior reporter with Provoke Media. I have a guest today. I have Curtis Sparer, who is a principal in the agency Bospar. Did I get that right? You did, yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um, and we're here to talk about all kinds of things, kind of agency life in uh, our new world and what you're seeing out there and some of the action you're doing, some of the uh, actions you're taking, rather, in uh, the world of COVID-19. And um, welcome. I am delighted to be here. Um, first, can you just give us a, a quick glimpse of what your agency is, what your focus is? Our agency is focused on tech, either health tech or tech tech, I guess you could say. Uh, we have celebrated our five-year anniversary, and we never thought 2020 would be like it is now, but no. yet here we are. <laughs> right. And so you, we can go right into it. I mean, you never thought 2020 would be like it is now. I don't think anybody did. Um, but we're at it, what, a couple months now. What is agency life like? Well, for Bosbar, it's pretty much normal because we always were a virtual firm when we started in 2015. And so for us, we are kind of validated by our approach as a lot of our agency friends from other companies approach us about how to run an agency virtually. We've been doing it for a while, so we don't really see anything different. But our clients, of course, are another story. And they are faced with all sorts of challenges that we're trying to address. And each challenge is unique, different, and requires a, a very tailored touch. Now, you said health tech is a, is a large part of your business, correct? Um, it is a growing part as uh, the kind of, I guess, tailwinds of this, you know, pandemic hit us. Uh, we have brought on, for example, uh, Dr. First, uh, which also works in uh, telehealth. And so that's, you know, an important part of, of what we're doing nowadays. And we're also uh, the agency of record for Healthline, which is uh, the world's largest uh, site for health-related information. So we're seeing a lot more interest from health companies uh, this day and age just because there is a bigger demand to communicate what they're doing. Well, you mentioned um, sort of validation of your model as a, um, a virtual firm. I have heard that this is, in, in for some tech companies, for some health tech companies, this is also a validation of the services, right? Whether it's telemedicine, the people that didn't realize that, you know, the access problems and all of that, that this is showing their value to some degree. I don't know if you're experiencing that. Absolutely. People are, are, you know, having this moment where they're like, I was right. I was right all along. And yet they have to temper that enthusiasm and, you know, eureka moment with the fact that they were right during probably the worst tragedies of modern history. And so, you know, there, there is that as well. And so we're seeing a lot of companies uh, kind of grapple with that. On the other side, we're seeing tech companies who have solutions that are more popular than ever before. Like one of our clients, our new clients, Protoscore, for example, is a solution to help manage uh, remote work from home teams. And of course, you know, before uh, the pandemic, they were a business that was catering to a, a small but, you know, growing, uh, you know, field of workers. And nowadays, uh, they are the new normal solution for all companies, big and small. 
And so, you know, we're seeing that too. We just got them on CNBC this week. And they said that once that happened, uh, they got immediately 30 new inquiries into how to use their service. And so that's kind of part of the magic of PR really and how transformative it can be for these companies. And it really is. Is it hard though to sort of walk that line of promoting these services and getting these services out and um, especially at a time of need and being, but doing so delicately so it's not pitching out there? It is an important calibration to make. And it reminds me of uh, the AIDS crisis where uh, there was a kind of a symptom of alert fatigue where at a certain point you just got inundated with such awful news that you just got tired of it and, and you kind of tuned it out for better or for worse. And I feel that's happening more and more with COVID-19 that people and journalists are hearing about it every day and they're getting numb to it. And that's certainly making it easier for brands to communicate their story to uh, all of us, but it's also perhaps a lack of humanity too that we're getting to this point where we're just numb to the bad news. Well, I, um, it's funny, this week I felt for myself and talking to people that it was kind of the turning point. You know, we've been at it two months, we've been locked down and the news has been so hard to take and there is definitely COVID-19 fatigue setting in. There is definitely uh, fatigue setting in. I, I think that when we say the new normal, in a way we are communicating the fact that we are all getting used to this and we are all getting a little you know, tired of it. And I, I think that's, that's a part of it. And everything we do throughout 2020 and likely through you know, the next two or three years is going to be informed by COVID-19. But the novelty of the novel uh, virus is wearing off and we're getting att attenuated to that. So as an agency working with these brands, consulting these brands, is it a day-by-day -day thing? I mean, can you even do long-term planning now in terms of campaigns and how to get out there? You know, we are doing long-term planning uh, based on the leadership of a lot of Bay Area tech companies. When uh, Twitter said that workers could re work remotely forever, uh, that, that was definitely a turning point. And so people are, are planning based on that. And people are looking at 2020 as a year where you're not going to have any uh, conferences, physical conferences. And so that level of planning has already happened. And I think the, the bigger kind of prognostication is when things will really open up, such as when either we discover that there is a, a immunity after contracting it, or whether we discover a vaccine, then, then that's going to change. But right now, uh, the companies that we're working with are all working on the assumption that 2020 is going to be a year that people basically shelter in place. So um, you also are, are taking an active role in industry-wide initiatives um, to help communicators, if I, if I get it correctly, to help your colleagues get through this. Tell me a little bit about the task force board that you're on. Yes, uh, the Global Task Force on COVID-19. Uh, this is really an exciting opportunity uh, for PR communicators because it is a chance to come together 
and solve problems at a global uh, scale. Uh, this is uh, by the PRCA, and I just joined, so I can't talk as authoritatively as I would like to on this. Uh, but what we're doing is we're providing free consultation services to help uh, communicators uh, manage their organizations and their message. And so we're really excited about this, and we're looking to do some serious good. Uh, the research that BOSBAR has conducted about COVID-19 shows that people want communicators to be uh, trustworthy, forthright, transparent, quick, and we are wanting to make sure that that happens as a best practice for all companies and organizations. I think that's the thing that really is hurting uh, the brand reputation of some organizations and some government organizations is when they're not uh, being a trustworthy ally. And do you think, are, are you hearing a lot, are you, are you, I know you're new at it, but are you seeing a lot of agencies, a lot of um, communicators needing or wanting the help? I mean, was the industry prepared for something of this magnitude? I don't think any industry was truly prepared for the magnitude of COVID-19. I think that the fact that it took a little bit of time for everyone to come together shows that everyone is still figuring it out as we go along. And so I think that what I'm seeing now is a lot of interest in how do we address this problem or this situation is new, what, what do you think this is like? Of course, we remember 9-11 and 9-11 was a tragedy, but it also was one that was defined by one day. And the problem with COVID-19 is we're seeing a loss of life that's greater than that on a daily basis. And that makes the communication challenge much different than most traditional crisis communication challenges that are out there. Right. It's not as, con I mean, it's, it's painfully concrete, but yet it's hard to get your head around at the same time is that the scope of it and talking about it is beyond, you know, a lot of people's mind comprehension on a daily basis. Yep, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, the, the issue again is alert fatigue, where people are just getting numb to the kind of tragedy that this is and, and the loss of life, and they're taking that for granted as the new normal. And I think from communicators, that makes empathy more important than ever before. Yet I imagine their communicators are getting tired too, physically, mentally. I mean, I, I, mental health must be something that you're uh, paying a lot of attention to now in the industry, keeping people going through this. Absolutely. Uh, our client Healthline is really doing a lot of great work on promoting uh, mental well-being and mental health. And so I think they're a real role model for what organizations should be doing and prioritizing uh, mental health. In fact, at BOSBAR, uh, one of our colleagues came to us and suggested that we have a mental health day for staffers. And so we thought that was a wonderful idea. And so uh, we were giving people time off for mental health. And I think other companies should do the same thing because sometimes people need to stop, take a moment, reflect, and, and kind of get themselves together. And, and self-care is completely important during these times. Well, that's a wonderful effort. And it's, um, it plays into your experience, I think, being a virtual agency. When people who have not worked in this, work from home, worked in this arena, 
starting new, it's, it's hard to draw the line between when you're working, when you're home, when you're off, when you're not off, when you need the, you know, something that you and I know well about, but that it's, it's not clearly defined, like I'm taking the day off and I really need it, right? So these are things that I imagine the agencies are learning as they go too, to some degree. The agencies are definitely learning that. Um, what's, what's really interesting right now is because everyone is working from home, everyone is a lot more productive than ever before. And we are getting reports from the New York Times and many other publications that they have a glut of contributed content and they, they can't take anymore. And so that's becoming an increasing problem for uh, people who are trying to place stories because everyone's being so gosh darn productive. Well, I'm worried. I'm, I, I don't, I'm, I'm happy to hear that at the same time. I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I'm not feeling that productive. <laughs> Maybe I need that mental health day. Well, um, I think, you know, people who have been working from home already take it for granted. And, you know, their level of productivity, which I think is higher, has already been their new normal. I think the fact of the matter is, Diana, that people are catching up to us. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> what is have, have you had um have you been approached by um colleagues at other agencies i mean what are the tips that have, have you had to help people through this becoming a virtual agency have people looked at you called on you or if not what could you say to them now uh i've definitely had a whole bunch of how did you do it what is it like what do you recommend <laughs> And partly, I think the most important part is starting your day off where you're not merely rolling out of bed. I always start my day off with a workout, even working from home, just to get the blood flowing to kind of paraphrase Dolly Parton. And <laughs> I think that's something that really kind of sets you up for success. And I dress professionally. I always make sure I have a collared shirt and I really observe uh, you know, best practices when it comes to working. And I think the other thing that people need to embrace is communications that allow face-to-face -face communication, whether that's Zoom or Skype or something. Seeing someone's face is so transformative and not feeling alone. And a lot of work from home uh, people, you know, talk to me about that and say, you know, I just feel so lonely. And so I think that really helps just seeing another person's face. And I know it sounds like a small thing, but ultimately, at the end of the day, an expression I hate, but at the end of the day, it's a big thing. Oh, I absolutely agree. Because you're either isolated or you're busy talking to people and seeing people is just that much more um, connection. Yes. I, I never feel lonely. I always have a lot of going, stuff going on. So, I, and I think a lot of our staff members would say the same thing. And I think the thing that they miss, of course, are the things that really would waste a lot of time, like gossiping and you know, just chit-chatting. And I, I find that when you are working virtually, a lot of the silliness in work culture evaporates and you're just being very, very productive all the time. I have had to counsel some people that they really need to treat their uh, virtual appearance uh, very professionally. I have seen a lot of people looking like they haven't bathed or showered or have done their hair. And I think that uh, kind of sloppiness will, you know, slip into someone's work if, if they're not very careful. I see it. Yeah, you feel it when you're not up to yourself, when you're not feeling at your best. It's easy to do that. Absolutely, it is. So your research, you're also researching, though, beyond um, 
the the your, your research in COVID 19s effects beyond the industry and communicators mm -hmm. what are some of the bigger takeaways that you have seen or noted or like to, to highlight from your recent research well i think the most uh, depressing thing is that nearly one in three americans say they won't take a vaccine for COVID 19. i found this absolutely outrageous based and, on I mean, why why would you not because <laughs> well, one in three is bigger than anti-vaxxers right <laughs> You know, I, I think the reasons all come from the anti-vaxxer Bible, mm -hmm. and it's distrust of the industry, it is a fear that they will get sick, and I just find this all depressing because I think COVID-19 teaches us that the anti-vax movement is ridiculous and it's dangerous. And here we are all having to change our lives, and that would dramatically be reversed if there was a vaccine. But a selfish group of Americans say they won't take it. And I just find that irresponsible. Is it hard to keep your opinions out of your communications and out of your um, findings? And <laughs> I, would find, I would find it hard. <laughs> Touche. Well, it is because some of our, I mean, these are deeply held beliefs. And the people who work with us know what they're getting and they do believe that these things are fundamental truths. And so we are able to communicate uh, effectively because in a sense we already agree. And the thing that I'm really pleased with at Bar is that we can communicate with media organizations regardless of their political leaning or affiliation. And that is something that I think is truly important for companies that are looking to reach all sides of the aisle. And it is doable. Just spend, no matter how, how deep these beliefs are seated, you see it as doable? You know, I grew up as a TV producer in uh, certain red states, and I found that I could disagree without being disagreeable. Yep. And I took that with me to my uh, PR uh, profession. And I've always maintained that as long as you're professional, you could communicate nearly anything that you need to for your uh, clients. And that has served us well. It's a wonderful mantra. I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've had kind of a, a flurry of new activity in terms of new business. Is, is this new business that was in the pipeline or COVID related or is new business still coming in as it would be the last two months of any year? You know, our new business uh, has always surprised me by its consistency. <laughs> <laughs> and when we have companies come in uh, and, and ask us, one woman said, you know, everywhere I looked, I saw Bar, and I was delighted by what I saw. And uh, another company said, you know, I love everything that you guys do for yourself. And more importantly, I love everything that you do for your clients. And so we've been very happy to welcome new companies into the fold. What's interesting is that there are those companies that are seeking uh, PR help because uh, this is their time to shine. And so I mentioned Dr. First and Protoscore as two companies that are tackling different issues that COVID-19 uh, brings up. But there are other companies that we are working with like uh, Calibra and SupplyFrame that are doing things that are you know, not COVID related, 
but you know are impacted by it and you know they're doing very well too during this time and the thing that i think is interesting is how important technology is to people surviving any challenge like this and that's why i'm really bullish on technology pr understandably so this really has brought it into the forefront because how many times have people said imagine if we were doing this without zoom or without being able to connect it or we would be we couldn't so exactly this time that i mean lockdown sucks it yes. absolutely does mm -hmm. but it is made so much better by technology and i think everyone recognizes that and, and understands and is looking for technology to solve the problems that lie ahead whether those problems are problems with a vaccine and getting one or it's the uh uh sort of issues when it comes to uh, our supply chain. You know, these are things that we, you know, are tackling through tech and I'm very proud to be a part of that. Great, well, you're certainly in the pulse of it and keeping watch and so we would love to continue the conversation and as this continues and changes. So I appreciate the time. Well, thanks so much, Diana. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. <laughs> Take care. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.